Welcome to Shoot Like a Girl, a podcast featuring interviews with extraordinary military women from around the world who push their limits on and off duty. I'm your host, Kate Stewart, and this is episode number 18. Today's guest is First Lieutenant Haley McLean Hill. Haley is a United States Air Force officer, NFL cheerleader, and entrepreneur. She attended Penn State on an ROTC scholarship, where she was also a member of the cheerleading team. Following university, she worked full-time in the military while also cheering for the Atlanta Falcons, followed by the San Francisco 49ers. Haley is also the founder and CEO of Torch Warrior Wear and Seek and Set Free Women's Retreats. Steady, steady, nice and steady. Light, heel, cover I'm a steamroller, baby. I'm a steamroller, baby. Just a rolling down the line. Just a rolling down the line. I'm a steamroller, baby. I'm a steamroller, baby. Just a rolling down the line. Just a rolling down the line. So you better get out of my way now. So you better get out of my way now. Before I roll all over you. Before I roll all over you. Yeah, I was just curious, like, how long you're in the military and, like, what got you into the military and stuff like that and to start the podcast. So I've been in for 14 years now, and I'm not from a military family. I didn't really know a lot about the military growing up. And then I was sort of at a period in my life where I wasn't sure what to do. I wasn't really finding any jobs that I enjoyed. I went to art school for university and I just didn't, wasn't successful there. I just found it being creative on demand was a little bit difficult and Mm. was kind of looking for something else. And I'd been taking scuba diving lessons and my instructor was a diver in the military and she was like, oh, you should join the military as a diver. So she took me to the unit. Yeah. And showed me around. And then, so I submitted my application and that was 14 years ago. Holy shit. And so is it the same, like in the military where it's 20 years and then you get your, like to retire? So in Canada, it's 25. They used to have it 20. So some of the people who are in now are still under 20 years, but I'm a reservist. Although in Canada, if you're a reservist, you can work full-time contracts, which we call usually like class B or C. So I've pretty much worked out of the 14 years I've been in, probably about 11 of those have been full-time. Nice. So yeah, it's kind of hopefully going to be sort of a full-time thing for me, or I'll always be involved in in some way or another, whether it's completely full-time or part-time. Yeah, I feel that. We have that similar to here as well. We have, um, it's called active, it's called like active reserve or something like AGR people can just get orders all the time and they can just be pretty much on like active duty all the time so yeah because we have a lot of a lot of people join when they're in college or university because we do have for the reserves education reimbursement programs so you can Hmm. get I think it's up to two thousand dollars per year for a maximum of four years covered if you're in university plus it's then you work full-time in the summer you have guaranteed full-time employment and that usually pays better than most other sort of summer university jobs. So a lot of students join. And then a lot of other people, even business people, like people from all walks of life join, you know, part-time just to do their service or because maybe they've always wanted to be in the military, but they can't commit to it full-time. So there's quite a few different, uh, different people, like, you know, all the different stories. Some people are lawyers and then they go, you know, drive boats in the Navy reserves on the weekends. So it's pretty neat. Yes, yes. That's the cool part too. I've met a lot of people who do that here also, or they're like doctors or they just were like, I felt the calling. I just want to be a part of it. And it's just like, good for you. 
Good for you. And it's so. pretty cool. I mean, definitely some of the stuff you get paid to do is pretty fun sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So what about you? What uh, part of the States did you grow up in? I grew up in Pennsylvania, about an hour outside of New York City. Um, I was born in Virginia. And then my mom and my dad, we moved up to Pennsylvania when I was like seven. My sister, we actually lived in like New Jersey for like a year before we moved to Pennsylvania. My sister was born in Jersey. And so we're about seven years apart and we were just raised in the Poconos. That's what it's called. It's like a very vacation area. Like <laughs> I was going to say, I know that from <laughs> Seinfeld talking about going to the Poconos. <laughs> Literally, like it's a very calm area. Like when I was growing up, it was very just like not a lot going on. So I was just heavily involved in my sports to be able to like see outside of like just the mountains. Now going back, I can appreciate it. You know how, how that is, but it's like before when I was there, I was like, I need to get out of here. There's like not a lot going on. There's no malls. There's like no fun things to do. Like it's just kind of like outdoors and stuff, but I can appreciate it now. Yeah. I felt the same way growing up. I grew up in the East coast of Canada and Nova Scotia. And I just kind of felt the same way. Like I need to move to a big city. I need to see other places and it's nice to go back and visit now, but I don't know. It's nice to, another nice thing about the military is kind of moving to different locations and getting the experience of living in different cities. Exactly. And it's like, you have your home, you can go visit, but then you can see like what you like, what your best fit is. So like, I'm in California right now and I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to leave. I love California. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of the West Coast of Canada as well. Although it's not quite as nice as California. We do get the, it's the best weather out of Canada. So Canada. <laughs> sometimes in the winter when it's minus 30 in certain spots, it's, or I guess, minus 30 Celsius. So I'm not sure what that is for you guys. Um, but then it's, you know, it's above freezing here and fairly nice out like light sweater weather. So it's. That right. is a big advantage of the West Coast here. Yeah. So what sports did you play growing up? So I grew up a dancer, did all styles. I did ballet, tap, hip hop, jazz, all that. I grew up in a studio. And then at the same time, I would do gymnastics just to kind of have that well-rounded balance. And then when I got into like high school, I realized that like just being out of the school so much, like traveling for competitions and stuff, I wanted to be more involved in my school. So I switched to cheerleading, which is like a marriage of dance and gymnastics pretty much. And um, I did that. And then I also did track. I did like some jumping events, which was fun. And then, yeah, I mean, that's really cheerleading, track and dance. That was kind of my whole thing. Yeah. Were you sort of, I guess, a gym person outside of those events or did that keep you plenty busy? <sighs> that's the thing. I like when you say gym, like working out and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. No, I swear I just started working out like two years ago, two, three years ago. Like it's pretty bad. Like I look back at it now. I'm like, dang, I could have been like such an elite athlete if I like really worked out. I just thought like I'm already, you know, I'm cheering seven days a week. I'm doing track all the time. Like I'm like, this is my workout. When I come home, I want to go to sleep. But, but now I'm realizing how important it is to like build muscle and like, you know, be toned. And it's just, I'm just happy that I got into it now. Those are very demanding sports, though, cheerleading and especially gymnastics. I find a lot of the top CrossFit people who do really well seem to all have a gymnastics background. Yes, yes, because they're short and they're stocky and they're just all they can body weight, you know, mm -hmm. body awareness, too. Like I tell everybody, I'm like, even like if you have a son, like it, it's, you know, whatever gymnastics for everybody, but like just learning how to fall, like learning how to like just like know how to 
hold your core. Like, it's just so important. These things that will help you be a great athlete. I'm like, you should just put your kids in it for like a year or two. And then, you know, if they want, they don't like it, just get them out. So. Yeah. It's so funny too, how, how strong they are with their body weight, because you watch it and you're like, Oh, that seems pretty easy. And then, you know, you go try and do some of the CrossFit moves, like the muscle ups or, or anything to do with, with body weight and pulling yourself up. And it's like, okay, this is a lot harder than it looks. Yeah. Well, it's like the technique of it. Like, I feel like everything in gymnastics, it's like, once you know how your body like all fits together, it's just like, okay, like that makes sense. Instead of like your arms wide, you bring it in, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. just like, like all those things. I think it's like such a great foundational sport to have for everything. And when you were doing cheerleading, was that super competitive? It was. Yeah. So like there's different stages. Like, I don't know what it's like in Canada, but like you guys have cheerleaders. We, we do. So we didn't really have it too much yet. I know when I was in high school, I think they were just kind of trying to start the cheerleading team. But now I see like people I grew up with are having kids and they have like a cheerleading training center where I grew up and they're, it seems to be more of a thing now, but when I was growing up, it, I had hardly heard of, heard about it. Oh, see, that's the thing. I feel like it's getting bigger with like, you know, there's like a Netflix show on it now. People are understanding the dynamic of it because there's like high school cheer here where you just are like cheering for your, your, your school. And then you have outside of, outside of cheer. So it's like the competitive aspect mm -hmm. of it. Super great. If you're trying to get to like the collegiate level, because it gives you all your tumbling skills, you're like, the ability to compete, like, and to kind of like be in that mindset. There's just like the out when you're, it's called the all-star world and all that stuff. So I did one year of that just to kind of get that under my belt to feel more comfortable when I went to go try it for the college level. Cause if you're a collegiate athlete, it's like better than a professional because professional cheerleading is more of like dance mm -hmm. and collegiate cheerleading is like the best of the best of the best do college cheerleading so you have to have all your skills tumbling stunting you know you're a great dancer you're a great just ambassador for your school too like you have to juggle all of that at the same time were there many serious injuries doing that because you see them you know throwing people 20 feet in the air and <laughs> if they land the wrong way onto someone I think that could be a disaster yes I have seen so many times like i I was in my, like my all-star cheer world. And I saw a girl basically like, it wasn't even stunting. Like when we throw the girls up, it was just tumbling, like the gymnastics aspect of it. And when you don't communicate, mm -hmm. like I saw a girl literally like do like a, a round off back tuck when you're just like, you know, in the air and just land on another girl. Cause like, it was just like stuff like that. I've seen broken fingers. I've seen broken noses. I've seen like, oh, just like really tough, tough, tough injuries. Cause it's like, you really have to trust each other. Like if you're falling, if you're this, whatever, like, and you flail or if you, whatever, like you're all the way up in the air, you're two people high in the air. Like it's just all communication it's, and trust. So yeah, yeah, I guess that transfers over to the military pretty well, the trust and communication side of things, because you definitely have to work as a team in both environments. Exactly. So when you were growing up, are any of your family members in the military? Yeah. So my grandma did 20 years in the mil in the air force. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah. She was like my biggest kind of, she got out when I was young though, probably when I was like, you know, six or seven or whatever, but like my, her, my mom traveled around the world. My mom and her lived in like England and Hawaii and all over the U S. So she, they have a lot of really great, like just times and memories and all that stuff. But mm -hmm. when I was around, like we, I didn't really like, it wasn't like 
I grew up wanting to be in the military. It was just like when college came around, like, you know, trying to find out how to pay for it, like what my path was going to be next. I didn't really have a clear path. So my grandma was like, look at this ROTC program, which basically, you know, you pay, it pays for your school and then you just have to do four years after, and then you can be done. Like, it just is like a no brainer. I'm like, yeah, I mean, might as well try it. I'm an athlete. You know, I think I'm pretty smart to be able to get into a good school. So just kind of made sense in that direction, but I was never like forced to like, oh, like this is the way we're going. Like, which is kind of nice. I got to choose. Mm-hmm. So did you make up your mind about that before you went to college or was it like while you were at college, then you sort of decided to go the ROTC route? So it was right before, like right before when I was, it was like my junior year and I tried to actually apply to our Air Force Academy. Okay. Uh, I don't know, like, you know, you guys have academies and stuff like that. And um, it's like our prestigious one and I applied and I didn't get into like the actual school. I got into their prep school where you have to go like, the year before to like get ready and then you go and so it's like five years of college and I was like I am not trying to do that like I'm like no at a military school you wear a uniform every day I'm like no I just don't think that's for me and so we looked at ROTC we applied to that at the same time and so I was like okay it was perfect and I got in I got a scholarship for any in-state school because you know like in-state tuition is different from out-of-state and all this stuff so I was like I'll just go to Penn State which is in Pennsylvania great school and I got to cheer at the same time. So it was like, it just kind of allowed me to go to Penn State for free. So I was like, this just kind of makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And even doing the four years after, it's such a good thing to have on a resume compared to some people who might be working, you know, jumping around jobs, whatever they can find, or maybe it's something like not in their field. But I feel like military experience always just looks good on a resume. 100%. I'm realizing that now too. Like, you know, it's interesting, like the military is a business, you know, like at the end of the day it is, and they've done such a great job of marketing and building a brand. That's like, you see the uniform and it's immediately you're respected that people trust you. And it's like, I mean, doors just fly open because they just see like discipline. They see somebody that's not going to be doing a bunch of like crazy crap all the time. And so I'm realizing that now, like stepping into like the entrepreneur track, I'm like, people just generally in general, trust me. And like, I am a trustworthy person, but it's like, it's cool to have that background. And I really don't know what I would do with like, I don't know what I would have done anyway without that direction, which is nice. (laughs) So when you were in college during your summers, were you working with the military? No, they don't require us to do that. So we really just are there during the semesters. Mm -hmm. And in the summer, I would either stay and do some classes or I would, um, I'd stay for like babysitting. I used to babysit in like the area and really just like do little odd jobs here and there. Um, and then cheerleading was a lot of the time in the summer we had to come back early. So I'd go home for maybe like a couple of weeks and then come back and just be diving into my, you know, athletics. So talking about cheerleading, how you were saying that the college level is such a high level. So what are tryouts like and how do you feel while you're getting ready for a tryout? Yeah, so... Oh my gosh. Cheerleading tryouts is like, it's pretty much you're going in, you you know, you're going to have, especially at Penn state, it's such a huge school. So many women want to be a part of the football games, the basketball games, the just culture. People have been growing up Penn state fans their entire life. So you have about like 400 girls, like who are trying out for a team of like 36 or something like that around there. And usually it's less than that because they have a lot of returning girls. So depending on the year, it could be a great year for the tryout because a lot of people are graduating. So you're like, okay, like I got a better chance. And then you have to scope out. It's just like other teams, right? It's like scope out what positions they're looking for, like 
do they already have a tall girl do they already have you know a really great tumbler like just like it just has to be like that perfect fit so really when I go into tryouts it's like this is who I am and usually um, I stick out a little bit as you can tell I'm like I'm, I'm a black girl there's not a lot of black cheerleaders I would say and like who have the skills that I have and then with my background with in the military and ROTC it's a selling point where like the coaches can use me as like for the veteran appreciation games and stuff like that so it's like it's a business again like running a team and even in the professional world it's like you are your own best like ambassador so like you just kind of, like I kind of look at tryouts as you know, you have two days, three days to show them all aspects of you, the whole person concept. Maybe I'm not the strongest tumbler. Maybe I'm not the strongest, like, you know, dancer or whatever, but I know I have a great story. I know I'm, I'm going to be a great ambassador. I can speak really well, like these types of things. So it's intense, but um, you kind of go in knowing that and you just mentally prepare and try not to compare yourself to the other girls that are there because there's no point in doing that. And you know, they, they test you on your tumbling, they test you on your stunting, they test you on all these things. And it's like, all right, are you going to make the team or not? And you just kind of go for it. <laughs> that's, those are intense numbers. I feel like that's like when you hear of the numbers of the men that do, you know, the Navy SEAL buds training and they start with two or 300 and then they're down to like 20 guys for their graduating class. That would be a very intense and very nerve wracking, I would imagine. Yeah, I think it's all about the like owning, like, you know, owning your individuality and just like being an authentic person and like just bring, knowing that you're mentally and physically prepared and like just knowing if it's the right fit, it's it's going to be it's going to be for you. So and so what I guess position on the team were you? I'm a back spot. Okay. So on the collegiate side of things, I'm the tall girl in the back of the stunt of the group. Like I'm like usually the, one of the tallest girls on the team. I'm like five, eight, which is not that tall, but like in cheerleading, usually it's like four, eight to like five, four, I would say it's like, or five, five. Yeah. That's so. crazy. eh? like four foot eight for some of the people. Yeah. We're, we got to fly them in the air. They got to be yeah. tiny. You know? I like guess that. gymnastics too. You see a lot of really smaller compact people in that yeah it's a thing and it's like I they love seeing the tall girls come in though because they know I can launch them in the air you know mm -hmm. not tiny either so you kind of have to have that balance which is which is nice and so how much travel is involved in that when you're cheering for a, a university football team or basketball or whatever sport it might be yeah so at Penn State we cheer like everything and we cheer men's and women's and we have a team of 36 so they try to divvy it up like okay eight of you are going to a women's basketball game the other eight you're going to go to a men's volleyball the other eight you're going to go to a hockey game and the other you know what I mean they try to like spread us out so we're not like too spread thin but usually with football it's like our biggest thing we hit all of the home games and then we only get to it like one away game every year so I traveled like you know, my five years, I traveled to like just four or five away games. And then when it came to basketball, we didn't ever go to away games. But when tournament season came, like the Big Ten tournament, stuff like that, we traveled to, you know, Chicago or Indianapolis or whatever, just to kind of go and support them as, you know, in New York City and stuff like that. And so we did a lot of traveling. I came to California for the first time with, with Penn State cheerleading. We did the Rose Bowl. It's like one of the biggest like bowl games. Um, I did... Florida we traveled down to Florida for our competitions we did all over the northeast like for games and basketball and then hockey games and just events in general so we were we were on the move like throughout the semester during those seasons like 
almost every other weekend, I could, you know, sometimes we're, we're doing something. And then on top of that, we have events where like, we're interacting with the students or the fans and stuff like that. So it's like, when you have an, when you have a game, it's an all day thing. Like if the game's at 12, you have to get there at six, you have appearances all day and then you cheer the game and that's four hours. And then you have a, a debrief at the end. So you're basically going for like 12 hours straight. So. Yeah. And that plus practices. So how did you balance being a student with doing that? It's all like, it's luck and it's like communication. And it's just like telling my coach, like, I'm like, all right, you know, and just ended up working very like kind of perfectly. Like with ROTC, I would have like, you know, we didn't have to do that much for ROTC, which is nice. We would have like morning workouts twice a week. So that didn't really ever interfere with cheerleading. And then they'd have us do like a class every Tuesday that was like two hours from four to six. And then I'd have like, usually practice was like Monday through Thursday, 6.30 to nine. So like everything kind of like lined up perfectly. And sometimes like my Tuesday, cause I had like, you know, four to six, I'd only have a 20 minute break to get to practice. So I was just like running to practice after that, you know, after RTC training and stuff like that. So it was pretty intense sometimes, but also it, it kind of worked. Like I just didn't have free time. Like it wasn't like, oh, like my Thursday evenings, I can just chill. It's like, no, you have practice and then you have to do homework and then you have to go to sleep and then you got to wake up and go to your morning training and you have class all day. And, you know, of course I took some days off. I was like, I can't do it. <laughs> you know, like it was just too much sometimes, but it's possible. It ended up being possible with my schedule. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, that would take so much discipline and you know, if you had an assignment that you were working on that was due at a particular time and you are like, okay, maybe I can't make this practice. Like, I feel like that would, that would be really hard to balance all of that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That wasn't an option. It was like, you better figure it out. Like mm -hmm. they, they expect you to do what you need to do. But it was nice. They have a lot of resources for us. They have like a student athlete center where we go, we have access to tutors and, a, you know, computer labs and it's 24 seven. And they, there's just, there's so many students doing what you're doing. You know, there's, I mean, not like all of us, but there's like a solid, you know, like 6,000 students who are athletes at the same time. And we all kind of just band together and we're like, okay, can you help me with this? Did you take this class? Like, oh, we were the same major. Like, what was this teacher like? That type of thing. You know, college is a lot about collaborating and trying to be resourceful. So like, I just tried to, you know, the other kid, I was a math major. So it was like really difficult. So I just like banded together with the other nerds. And I was like, what is going on? Like, please help me. And so we, we, we made it work. That's awesome. So once you graduated, then what does your path from there look like into the military? Yeah. So before I graduated, there are these things called special duty assignments where you can get out of your career field for a year just to try something new. And the military will give you a year to just like do something outside of your career field to add to your resume or whatever, just to have some fun. So there was an opportunity to be a recruiter um, down in Atlanta, Georgia, where I just applied to it, you know, everything funnels down from the big air force goes to the, goes to the detachments in the, in the colleges. And basically they're like, who wants to apply to this? Just like a job application. I applied and they were like, you'd be a great recruiter to go recruit in, um, underserved areas. So like kids that, you know, minorities, and usually they see like army or Navy or whatever. And you usually see the enlisted track. And so they had, I had the opportunity to show them a young black female as an officer. And like, they've never seen that before. So they were like, this is a great opportunity to show them this option. So I basically was a recruiter for a year, which was really fun. 
I ended up professionally cheering at the same time, because again, my schedule just like worked out where kids are not going to be, you know, in school on Sundays for NFL games. And then, you know, my practices were at night. So all my events were during the day because it was for, you know, recruiting events and stuff like that. So it really worked out perfectly. And I was there for a year. And then my last three years have been in California. They moved me out here to be a force support officer, which basically like my first year I did um, like basically being like a glorified assistant to like a commander. I like helped him with disciplinary things. I helped him with all the behind the scenes, like stuff that's like how to run the actual 300 people. Like, okay, if they're going to leave, someone just had a baby, like someone needs to, to promote, someone needs to re-enlist, like these types of things and help them with that side of things. And then they moved me to the, um, the force support career field is massive. You can, they, they basically say it's like from cradle to grave. Like you're dealing with kids, like the, um, the daycare center on base, you're dealing with that. You can be, you can be there. And then you can also deal with like mortuary affairs, which is like really sad. And I I didn't have that opportunity, thank God, but there's just so much that we can do. So I hit the, um, it's it's pretty much everything other than having like a specific career. Like I'm not intelligence. I'm not a Mm -hmm. pilot. I'm helping everyone. I'm helping the airmen, which we call them in the air force. And so, you know, uh, they put me at the gym on base. So, you know, me with my background with cheerleading and everything like that, they're like, you'd be great to help run the gym on base. So I ran that and now I'm about to get out. So it's really been a quick, quick, you know, stunt, honestly. So going back to the recruiting, do you have any particular stories? Because sometimes I hear about in the States where people get in and then years later, they're like still in contact with the recruiter. Like for me, I can't even remember, you know, I wouldn't recognize them if I tripped over them, but do you have any particularly like rewarding stories about recruiting? Oh man, that's a great question. No one's ever asked me that. I would say, you know, I had a lot of cool opportunities where I would go to like events and I don't have any like long lasting relationships with any of the kids, I would say, but a lot of them did like, you know, follow me on social media and they saw that I was cheerleading and they were, you know, the, the NFL team down there is like the Falcons. And so a couple of them would come to the games and they see me at the games and they'd be like, oh, you know, it's Lieutenant McLean, oh, whatever. And like, that was cool to be, you know, waving to them. And um, I think for me, it was just like, you know, in the, in, at the events, it was just so fun to talk to these kids like all day. And they're like, what's this? They're so curious. And they're like, mm. I never knew this was a thing. And I think honestly, that's my calling. And I think that's kind of where um, my business has come into place. Like I just enjoy talking and like guiding people through like their decisions that they're thinking about what they want to do with life and stuff like that. And I just think no specific stories, but more of like every kid I met, it just felt like I was like their big sister type of thing, you know? which is cool. Yeah, that's really neat to hear. It is. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because it's probably for a lot of them, like they wouldn't have known the opportunities that are out there. You know, when I was in school, I'm like, I don't think we ever had recruiters come to the school at all that I remember. Or Mm -hmm. if they did, I guess I wasn't paying attention. But for me, I just didn't recognize it as an option. And then even now I get some messages sometime on on my Instagram that they're like, oh, you know, I'm thinking of joining the forces and I listen to your podcast. And, you know, it, I, I used to think this, this, and this about it, but now I realize there are so many different opportunities within the military to do, right? So it's, yeah, it, like you were saying, just, just helping people and, and guiding people and having them realize what is out there and what the options are. 
exactly because people think we're just these robots or whatever and we can't have lives outside of it or whatever it's like no like I'm a whole person outside of the military like Mm -hmm. I'm other fun things I am learning new things I'm experiencing new things like I'm traveling I'm doing all this stuff and they're like really and I'm like yeah like you can really do it and like help fund what you genuinely love to do and like you get to be around really dope people also so it's super cool and connect with people all over the world like this like how could how could we connect if it wasn't for the military you know like so cool. Yeah, exactly. And I've seen the the US military does a particularly good job, I find, of sort of like marketing or showcasing their athletes. And they mm-hmm. have also really cool sports programs. Like I think there's a CrossFit team basically. Like they have like a fitness team that goes around to fitness competitions. I and didn't know that. Yeah. And I think their shooting teams are the people are full-time. So for us, if we, you know, if Canadian forces go to a shooting competition, they're practicing you know they would get some time to practice during the day with their job but as far as I know from the U.S. side of things it's like you are on the shooting team that is your full-time job to train for competitions yes I have heard about that they have full like that's your whole thing and Mm -hmm. that's that is really cool I wonder why it's different in Canada it might be because we have like a larger force where it could be you know here go do this for a little bit or something you know yeah you guys have way more people so for us I think it's I'm not sure of the exact numbers, but it's under a hundred thousand for our entire military. Right. And we're very small. And you were saying like, oh, you guys have academies, but we have one for Air Force, Army and Navy. They all go to the same one. Yeah. So there's like an English and a French one, but it's, it's all mixed together. So. Wait, that's so cool. I, I went to an event recently and I met the um, snowbirds. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I met some of the snowbirds. They're so cool. And the one guy was telling me he went to the academy and he was saying, like, I don't know if he went to the, I think he went to the French one, I think, or the one where you're required to learn French. I don't. So we have two <laughs> official languages in Canada. So right. French and English. So one of the Royal Military Colleges is in Kingston, Ontario. And then the other one uh, is in Quebec, the French province. So mm-hmm. you, you have to learn French uh, at both of them. Sort of, it's kind of expected that as an officer that you should be bilingual. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. See, like, I wish we had that. That's what I wish we did have. I'm like, I wish I grew up having to learn another language. That's something Americans are not doing right. But I think some of them learn Spanish in schools, don't you? Yeah, I think, like, I took five years of Spanish, but I mm-hmm. mean, it wasn't like, you know, it's different from when it's like, it's an official language. Like, you need to, everyone's doing it all the time, you know, mm-hmm. like, so different so I took French immersion going through school but then after I graduated it was kind of like okay (laughs) I wasn't using it uh and then just the past few years I mean I work with some French people and I try to speak French to them sometimes and I can still (laughs) understand it but speaking it I probably sound really terrible (laughs) that's so funny I think that's like it's one of my I think it should be everyone's kind of goal to kind of be fluent in like another like another language it's just so like I think it's, it just shows so much intelligence and like, you're like, okay, like you're cool. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was listening to, I think it was the Tim Ferriss podcast and he was talking about how, I can't remember if it was increasing IQ or or brain cells or something, but one of the essentially like the best things that you can do for your brain is to learn another language. Yes. Yes. I felt it when I was doing like, you know, in high school, I was doing five years and it was pretty good. And like, I remember even when I was in New Jersey, when we were young, they started us learning French. And so I knew like, I know I'll never forget, like, come see, come saw. Like, I'm like, oh, I know that. And I'm like, you know, that's like, that's it. But I mean, it's kind of cool. Like, I think that 
it really has like completely trained like and then now if I go to like Mexico here and there I'm like practicing my Spanish and I might be traveling to Paris soon I'm like oh it'll be fun to just it's so good to know I think it's just it's so good to know yeah it's funny too here because the Quebec French I find is almost harder to understand than Paris French is very proper and people from different parts of Quebec have different slang and just different ways of pronouncing things. So sometimes I am like, I can't understand what you're saying, but <laughs> yes, it's really it's like neat. The, like the wah, it's like wah, kind of <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The snowbirds were saying. <laughs> yeah. And so it's interesting, actually, one of my guests coming up, hopefully in a few months, it, she was the first female snowbird. And then she, she went on to be the commanding officer of that unit cool. after that. So I'm hoping to interview her in like June, July timeframe. That would be so cool. I have to listen to that. That's so cool. Because that's just one of the things like as a little kid growing up in Canada, it's in the summer times, you go to the air show or you always see the snowbirds flying over because they tour all around Canada and they do their their show. So it's pretty neat. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I know. I like just started getting to air shows when I started recruiting. I was like, oh, like there was one coming up and they were like, go recruit at it. And I went and saw one. I was like, no, these are so cool, like so cool. And I think I might have been like a little more into the military if I saw one like at a younger age so I'm sure and when I met the snowbirds I was excited you know because it's just like I'm you know I was like trying to I have a picture I have to send it to you it's so funny mm. but like it's cool to meet that that level of excellence and like in Canada too and just hearing their stories I'm just like oh my gosh I feel like you guys are like are you a Harry Potter fan at all uh I mean I did I read them like years ago <laughs> it just reminds me of when like you know, all the schools come together. I'm like, it's just cool to meet other countries who are like coming in and, you know, I mean, it was just, it was just really cool. They were super nice. So I was like, this is awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, so you said that when you were working recruiting, then going back mm -hmm. to that, you were also cheering. So that was for the NFL, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. And, and so what is that process like to become an NFL cheerleader? So NFL cheerleading is very similar to collegiate cheerleading. You basically have them, they're going to announce a date and you go and it's pretty much like a week long to two week long process, depending on the team. Um, there's, have you ever heard of the Dallas Cowboys? <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Like the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, their process is like months long, you know, it's like, they're the, like the, the best of the best, but um, normal teams, you know, I was on Falcons and then I just finished my second team with the 49ers out here. And there's like a week long process, week to two weeks. And you submit a video, who you are. It's like an interview, you know? It's just mm. like, okay, here's my dancing. Here's who I am. This is my story. You do an interview. You usually do like a dance class. You usually do maybe like for the Falcons, I did like a swimsuit shoot just to see like how I, you know, like just how I am in front of the camera. Um, and then there, you know, it's competitive again, just like the collegiate level. It's like, you know, for me, for, for um, Falcons, there was probably about like, 200 to 300 girls trying out and they had like 16 slots open and then for Niners uh, you know I think they said like over 500 people tried out or something like that because they made it virtual because of COVID so like so many more people could apply um and then they take you know my team was what it was like 32 or something like that so and then they they had you know returners so it was closer to like I think my rookie class was pretty big though it was like 14 or something like that so yeah, it's, it's the same thing. It's just a little bit more of a job interview because it's a professional setting and they're looking to see that you're mature and you can handle yourself. You're not going to be, you know, doing dumb things and now you're representing 
an NFL team. So they want to know that you are ready for that. And there's so much culture and like all those things. So it's pretty cool. And so a silly question, because I probably don't watch (laughs) enough football, but are you only cheering at the home games? Only home games. Yes. Except if you make it to the Super Bowl. Right. So Super Bowl, both cheerleading teams will go, but usually it's just the home team. That helps with our schedules too, because all of us have to have full-time jobs as well, Mm. because it doesn't pay enough for us to be that our full-time job. Um, So it's more of an hourly rate type of thing. Um, So when you're, you know, you're there, you just basically have like 10 home games and then you have practice, which is again, like just like two times a week or something like that. Um, they make it pretty doable because we're professionals. We should be able to come in, learn something and perform it the next day. Right. Exactly. And then, so was it hard to transfer from one team to another? No, it's not hard at all. There's a lot of girls that do it. They start maybe each team is so different. It's like, you know, obviously you need to leave a great impression on the team that you left because it's such a small world. The coaches are going to talk and be like, oh, she's trying out for your team. Like, no, don't (laughs) No, Or it's like, yes, like it's a great recommendation, whatever that type of thing. Um, So yeah, it's, it's pretty easy. Like you just have to move usually to the city. And if you're willing to do that, then you can go try out for all the teams you want. You can even switch between NFL, NBA, you know, NHL. There's so many different opportunities to be a professional. Okay. And so do people, I guess, if they're not living in the city at the time, do they fly down? And then if they make the team say, yes, I will move to the city if I make it. Oh my gosh. Great question. There's so many ways to do it. And I, I'll share, I am looking to try out for the Dallas Cowboys this year. And, um, I live in California right now and their process is so long and like, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. I'm not going to move until, I make the team so like I would probably just like the first round is virtual so I can just do that from here but then the next round I'll have to go and fly down stay with some friends and stay with some you know stay at a hotel or something like that do the process and then just wait for it all to kind of unveil itself and then I would officially like get an apartment and do all that stuff Mm -hmm. okay interesting so when are those tryouts (laughs) May 2nd is the first day um, they have the virtual, it's like a window, May 2nd to the 10th. That's the preliminary auditions. You send in a video and your application. And then I think a couple weeks later is like the semis. And then a couple weeks later is the finals. And then if you make it to through finals and you make it to training camp, training camp would be like two months long and you could get cut at any time between there. It's just, it's pretty crazy. Have you ever watched the show? It's, there's like a whole show on it. No, I haven't. <laughs> I will look into it. It's a great show. Okay. It's called- um, making the team okay. uh, Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders and it shows you the entire process and like how intense it is and you're just like dancing every single day and you know you can get cut at any moment because of whatever and so it's just a very competitive process yeah so. lots of pressure I would imagine so when it's virtual do they give you like a list of moves that they want to see you perform or do you send them like clips of your previous roles as a cheerleader or how does that work It depends. Um, Each team is different. This team, I think you just send in a video of you dancing and then you just introducing yourself and then that's really it. And then like the next round might be them sending you choreography and you have to then perform that, that choreography. And then they'll see how you pick up their choreography. So they kind of want to see both sides. They want to see that you can fit in with their style and they also want to see that you have your own style. So it's kind of cool. Interesting. I love learning all this stuff. I interviewed Riley Compton. She's a 
officer in the Marine Corps and she's a bobsledder. But I just found it so interesting learning about these sports that I have no experience or education on and just learning (laughs) about that process. Yes, I'm actually going to go see her soon because she's down in San Diego, just like, you know, a flight away. We're going to link up and, you know, talk business and like cool opportunities because she's so cool. I've been like stalking her too. So <laughs> I'm hoping that she comes and does a competition in Whistler, which is the spot where the Olympics were in Canada in 2010. So they have a, a bobsled track there. So if she does, then I'm going to go see her. Oh my gosh. I'll have to come too. We'll yeah. all meet up. <laughs> You'll have to come visit have you been to Canada before only on a cruise um and it was like from New York over in the east coast and we like went around some glaciers and then came back <laughs> oh probably up by Newfoundland maybe I think so yeah. cold cruise <laughs> yeah did you get off the boat at all or no we didn't I know I've never so I've never been really I had I had one maybe trip planned like Vancouver or something and then mm-hmm. COVID and I was like dang I really want to go it looks beautiful yeah, Vancouver is really nice. I mean, all of the cities are nice in the summertime, and the which is the best time anyway. There's patios and nice restaurants and lots of outdoors activities. It looks incredible. Yeah. I just watched that show on that guy. It's called like, gosh, I forgot. What it's like about a climber, free climber. Oh and- yes. Uh, yeah. What is it called? The Alpinist. The Alpinist. Yeah. Yes, and it just showed like where he was like climbing in in Canada I was like this is insane it's so Mm -hmm. beautiful there like I would even come in the winter time I'd just go for like two days and then come back but it's like you know it's it looks beautiful it is gorgeous on the west coast with the mountains every morning Mm -hmm. when I drive to work I'm just like you know there's we see the map the Olympic mountain range uh, which is in Washington state and then on a really clear days we can see Mount Baker and it's just like it's beautiful here so oh my gosh I know it just seems so peaceful I'm like oh I got to come visit. Um, now I have a friend. So yeah, like, exactly. And then I can show you around the island. So. Going back to your, your job in the Air Force. Yeah. What aspects of it do you like the most? I would say taking care of my airmen. Um, the people underneath me, it's my favorite. You know, they're like 18 years old, just looking to have a good, positive mentor and leader in their life. And like, no matter what you're doing, if you just come in with a positive attitude, get to know them. It's like the best part. I, I would say I wasn't like the best person at my job. Like, cause I put so much more value into getting to know my people than getting to know how to do my job. Cause I just was like, Oh, the paperwork is going to come like whatever, blah, 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 it's paperwork. But the kids, like, it's just like, it's just the best thing to be like, they can call you whenever they need you. And just being around that positive energy. But I think it could also, I mean, it would be terrible to be the other way, right? And just get all the paperwork done, but then not care about your people. Exactly. Exactly. But there's a good healthy balance that I probably would have figured it out if I stayed in longer. <laughs> Did you have any examples of particularly good leaders that you had or even really bad ones that you've thought like, oh, I do not want to be like this person? <laughs> um, oh my gosh, where to start on that one? Um, no, I, I, I think that what I've realized is that everyone is going to have great days and bad days. And like, I've never had an all bad boss. I've never had an all good boss. I think that everyone that has come in sometimes and they have that bad day or whatever, and they're making, you know, you can just tell right away. And it's just like, I've learned so much with just like how to let things roll off my shoulder in the way of like me being a leader to know also, okay, like 
I'm not gonna be perfect all the time. I am gonna come in like wake up on the wrong side of the bed or whatever, but like to be more conscious of that to my airmen because it's not about them. And then I know when my leader is having like a bad day, it's not, it's never about you. And it's just kind of like, I've seen, I think the biggest thing that I've seen is like, you know, you have to play up the best. My best leaders have helped me play up to my strengths. Like mm. they see that what I'm good at, which is like talking in front of people, being the entertainer, being, you know, making people feel warm and like the MWR, the fun, the morale events and stuff like that boosting them around me and that's kind of who I am as a cheerleader and who I am so like my best leaders allowed me to run in that direction and then they like figured out the other things and the same thing for me like when I see my kid my, when I see my 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 airmen I'm like okay like you're really good at this so I'm gonna let you really take off on this it's just like really play up to people's strengths um I think that's what I've learned because the ones that just like make me get into this hole of like you need to do this I'm just like I just can't even like, I'm like, this is miserable. And then like, you see that miserable and you still keep it going. It's just like, you know, you have to really be aware and like read people and like they're what gets them hyped up to talk about things. So I love talking to people and like, I appreciated leaders who were like, you know, what do you do in your free time? And like, what gets you excited? Like, what would you, what, what if in a dream world, what would you be doing? Do you want to stay in the military for 20 years? Like putting everything in perspective. I think being a leader with perspective, knowing that this isn't their entire life is like mm. the best leader you can be. Yeah. I think, I mean, all of that was so bang on mm. during my career. I've seen the people that are, I think it's, it's just something that maybe it breeds itself in the military is where people get very rigid and stuck in a way of doing something or yeah. the way that a person has to behave and like, obviously not, you know, breaking rules or being a terrible person, but it's just, people are people and they're individuals and they have their different strengths and weaknesses. But when you try and be too rigid, it mm -hmm. can backfire sometimes. Absolutely. And you feel it. It's just negative energy. And you're like, this, there's something needs to change. And then when you, if you can't feel that energy, that something needs to change. And then it's like, people are not going to be trying to do their best work for you. That's really what it mm -hmm. is. Like mm -hmm. they won't. And then everything's just a crap show. And you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Or the, you know, the sort of micromanaging, like if you tell me to go do a job, trust that I will do it. You don't need to check in on me every five minutes. You know, having a leader that, you know, trusts you is, is such a big thing as well. Definitely. And it's clear communication, right? Like you realize that as an officer too, it's like, if you're not clearly communicating what you need to get done, and that's a skill that you have to learn. Like personally, I've had to learn to be very like, this is what I want, like literally specifics. Like, I mean, th that can be applied in so many different ways, you know, in business and in personal life, all these sorts of things, just getting to know what you need from somebody is so important as well, because the second that you're muddy and you're just like unclear with it, then it's just unclear results. And then it's just like, okay, what are we doing? We're wasting time. That's my biggest thing too. Like people who just want to waste your time or who just want to see you sitting there just because they want to see you sitting there. It's like, no, I fully support people being productive with their time. Mm -hmm. And if not being productive with their time, they can be doing something else or, you know, that time is very precious to me. I think it's very Yeah, precious. exactly. And I remember when I interviewed Riley, she was like, oh, sometimes they say, you know, that I'm too friendly with my Marines or that I'm not strict enough with them. But she was like, that's just my leadership style. Like, I'm not going to go yell at people just for the sake of yelling at people. 
Exactly. And sometimes you learn though, like, and I, I can't just talk to Riley about this because I'm like, sometimes you learn, sometimes you do have to look at, like, it's a balance. You have to look at somebody and be like, do not test me right now. You know, like, do not test me. But then there's ways to go about things where you can be like, look, you're really pissing me off. Like, I need you to change this. It's just people. It's just understanding the dynamics and the psychology of how people work and what they're motivated by. And like, you don't have to be yelling at people all the time. You don't have to be strict with them all the time. But it is important, though, as an officer, I think, to lay the groundwork and to lay the boundaries. And I think that's really important in all aspects of your life. If you can learn that, like you come in, you just tell them this is what it is. This is the standard. And if y'all stick by it and it's just fair, it's like just being very fair with it. And people will respect you for that. Exactly. Have you ever had any instances, I guess, from your subordinates or either even people in charge of you? Have you ever had any issues because you're a woman in the military? You know, I never like to play the card because I'm just like, obviously in the world, women are always going to, you know, suffer for, from a little bit of something sometimes, but I try to look at every, every approach as like, if somebody did say something to me or they, I really didn't get, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't really get a lot of it from the air force. Like I will be, I'm very proud of that because I think that there's a lot of females in power in the military or especially in the air force. And so People are kind of used to it. And especially if you come in as a female and not trying to like come with this defensive nature already, like the second you walk into the building and you know that girl who's trying to just be like, like, I'm going to go 10 times harder. So you respect me. And this is what, like, I feel like that approach is very wrong too. Like if you go in very real and honest, like, look, I know you might have some preconceived notions about who I am, what I'm about to do or whatever and whatever. What I, what I would appreciate is us communicating very openly and honestly, like, what do you need from me to make this experience better for, I'm trying to make this all better for all of us. I'm not here to try to prove myself. I'm not trying to get a rank. I'm not trying to, you know, kiss somebody's ass. Like I'm genuinely here to make this a pleasant work environment. So I think just going in, in with that type of approach alleviates a lot of, and like breaks down some barriers to people, but there have some, been some like older chiefs like people who have been in for like 25 years and I'm a new lieutenant and like you can get the vibe of like oh like you're just a stupid young girl and blah blah and that's fine I'm like underestimate me all you want but I mean I'm gonna be over here happy I'm not gonna let you affect my day right now because it's it is funny like I have had to like look somebody in the face kind of and be like I don't know who you think you're talking to, <laughs> but I'm gonna need you to really back up right now. I really need you to back up. And honestly, the second I stood my ground, it was scary, but the second I stood my ground because they were talking in some type of way, like go do this or whatever, whatever. Second you approach them, it really mitigated the situation. Like it was kind of gone. I was like, okay, I guess we're not cool anymore, but now we see each other that we can't mess with each other anymore. You know, that's just kind of how it is. Yeah, I feel almost like people like that are probably used to just taking advantage of others during their whole career. And then as soon as someone stands their ground, they're like, oh, okay, now I don't know what to do. And, you know, but I think you said it exactly. Like if you go in and you're confident in yourself, be yourself and be authentic, then personally, I mean, I don't know, you know, how much you guys get Canadian military news down there, but we've had some really bad stories about sexual misconduct and the way women are treated in the military in Canada. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know that, that a lot of people have 
you know, had had really terrible experiences, but pers- my personal experience has been really good in the military. You know, you know, that's tough. And I will say I've had comments, you know, and especially with what I do as a cheerleader. Um, and then, you know, there have been comments and there have been times where I'm like, really? You know what I mean? And like, even from, you know, men that were in higher power sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. where you just like, don't really know, you know what I mean? And like, you're like, okay, I got to toe this line very carefully. Like, how do I really want to go about this? And it's quite frankly, BS. Like it's, it, it is BS. Like hold yourself to a higher standard. Like do not be a scumbag. Like you, like it's, it's awful. I think that I am thankful that nothing ever escalated to the point where like, I felt, you know, completely, I wasn't safe or anything like that, but I did start to, you know, my whole thing was like, I don't need to be doing any more than I need to. Like, I'm not coming in with like a full face makeup or I'm not Mm -hmm. whatever, blah, blah. Like that was just like kind of how I, I was tackling it. I was like, and it might be wrong and that might be whatever, but like, I'm, I'm looking at the, the, the real situation here, you're surrounded by all these men all day long. I'm 27 years old. I keep my body nice and right and tight. I mean, it's just is what it is. I've been raised like that my entire life. My mom has even told me like, Haley, like you don't need to dress too provocatively because you're a beautiful girl. You know, you don't even need to do too much. And, you know, there might be some people who are like, that's wrong. You know, it's that you should be able to dress how you want, all these types of things. It's a tough, it's a tough subject. And all I can say is that it is very real. The dangers are very real. You need to be aware. If I have a daughter one day, I will teach her to be very aware, not to be aggressive, but if need be, she will have the tools to know what to do in those situations and to just be very aware. Um, And yeah, I think that's really where I have to leave that. I mean, you got to be aware in this world. It's just what it is. And it's not okay, but it's like, you know, the more women who speak out about it, I do say I, it helps. It definitely helps because I've seen very different, you know, a lot of men won't even go in a closed room anymore with a woman because mm-hmm. they're like, I don't even want to have that. I don't even want you to have the opportunity to do that to me. And I'm like, that's good. You should probably think that way. <laughs> that's good. So um, thank you to the women that have been brave enough to come forward. And I think that's incredible. And um, you know, for the other women that might be in that situation now, I would say speak up and I would say be strong in who you are and confide in other women that would be there for you. And so when you were going back and saying like that you have had comments and that sort of thing, so you deal with them, but then internally, what's your like dialogue or process to not let that get to you or bother you? Or like you said, you know, you're not going to let it ruin your day. The process is, I would say, I do talk to my grandma and she was, again, 20 years Air Force. She lived through it. And it is really helpful to have a mentor to kind of be like, this, you know, idiot, like said whatever, like, or whatever, just had some sly comment or, you know, just was not professional at all. And she's like, gosh, you know, like just having that person to talk to was super important for me. And then also I will say, you know, in what I've done my entire life with being an entertainer I think that I've been around a lot of icky men sometimes who just are like you're beautiful and I want to be close to you and I want to say weird things and stuff like that so I have a little bit of like a thing where I can process it in a way where it's like ugh, 
like you're disgusting, please back away from me. And then I just kind of keep it moving. But it's not the same for a lot of women. A lot of women don't dress half naked in front of stands, you know, football stadium. So I have this kind of approach to these situations as like, you're disgusting. I know who you are now and I will stay clear from you. And that's what it is, but I'm not gonna allow you to like get into my head where I feel uncomfortable or whatever. Cause the second I feel that again, we're gonna have a problem. We're gonna have a problem. So I feel yeah. like it's like- I find it too, it's um, if men were to say terrible things in the workplace and I've read some stories of that happening um, within the Canadian forces and, or even little comments that people might let bother them. Like my personal internal dialogue, if I were to hear something like that is, you know, it doesn't make it okay, but I, if I get offended or upset by it, it almost gives them power, which I don't want to do. So that's sort of, I guess, my mindset behind those things is like, I'm not going to give you the power to upset me or offend me or whatever else right but although some some people might not have that same mindset or might not be able to brush it off as easily and and I definitely do recognize that for sure no yeah that's a great way of thinking about it I agree with that because people and that's it I've been learning so much I've been doing a lot of therapy and just like a lot of self-work with just like realizing that everything that other people are doing is a, is a complete reflection in, on who they are as a person mm-hmm. Just understand that emotions, other people's actions have nothing to do with you. It always has everything to do with them, what they're struggling with. And like, I realize it with myself sometimes and I'm having a bad day, you know, whatever. I'm like, these people, I'm getting mad driving or whatever. I'm like, these people, they probably think I'm mad at them, but I'm just mad. I'm just mad. And so I'm realizing to allow emotions to kind of go through me and actions and words to just kind of go through me in a more healthier way where I'm like, wow, you have a lot to work on you've got a lot to work on. It has nothing to do with me though. And it's not going to affect my self-confidence or how I feel unless it just becomes, you know, a a serious issue. So do you have uh, anything that you do particularly to like get that stress out or get those emotions out? Oh, um, I love sunbathing. I'm a sunbathe girl. Uh, That's why I want to stay in California for the rest of my life. Ooh, I drink tea a lot. I just have my little tea. I work out. I now work out. I do. Have you ever heard of F45? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have those in Canada. Oh, nice. Yeah, they're doing great. Um, I go to F45 almost every day to release some stress, which is awesome. I've really focused on what I'm putting in my body. Like, I know if I eat a cinnamon roll, I'm probably going to be a little bit like, you know, the sugar is going to put me in a weird mood. So I try to be very conscious of that and, you know, hanging out with friends, like trying to, I don't do very well like being just like alone. So I try to really like surround myself with a lot of good people. Interesting. I'm sort of the opposite because I find I'm an introvert. So I'm like, I need my <laughs> alone time to recharge if I get too stressed out. So it's interesting to hear that you're <laughs> the other way and you like to be around a lot of people. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think it's both. I think it's both though too, right? Like with my cheerleading team and stuff, that's a very good release for me too. It's like to dance and to be around my teammates and girls and like the fun energy. But then we also have this thing here in Sacramento. It's called, um, it's like called bathhouse. I don't know if you guys have those up there, but it's like you go in, you can't have your phone and it's like saunas, steam rooms, a cold plunge, some jacuzzis, very calm environment and like that helps a lot too and I'm by myself and I usually bring a book and just like kind of chill 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do have a couple. I think I don't think there's any on the island where I am, but the big thing now is like the Nordic spas. So they have some of them in various spots throughout Canada, but it's like an outdoor hot springs and saunas and all that type of thing. So cool. We got to go do that when I come up there. Definitely. So <laughs> did you reach a point or I guess how does it work with you in the military when you either decide to get out or can you decide to stay longer if you want to? Yeah, so my ROTC scholarship made me sign, I had to sign a contract for four years active duty afterwards. So once that four years is up, which is up in June, um, I can be out or I can, I could have resigned my contract. So I just decided it was my time to go. Had you decided that early on or was that a recent thing? You know, more, I think within the year, um, when my year, it was like, I have a year left. I really started seriously thinking about it because I do love the aspect of being able to travel and like, I was like, oh, maybe I can go overseas or maybe I can go to Hawaii or something like that. But I realized, um, I was like, I think I'm building something where I can have something to stand on when I get out. And I think that's everyone's type of thing too, right? With the stability, it's important to find that. But also I realized that I found something that I really loved and I wanted to pursue and I wanted to go full force into it. And so I was like, I'm going to take this leap and go for it and see what happens. See, It's the craziest decision I've ever made, honestly, but it feels good. So let's talk about that. So why don't you explain what that is? (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. So I actually have two businesses, but I'll I'll go with Torch because Torch is for my military women. Um, I woke up one day, um, I had, you know, been with some friends the night before and I was wearing like a bodysuit, which women wear usually, you know, with jeans, like just a white one, whatever, snaps, I don't have to worry about it untucking, it's just a cute look. And I was like almost late for work and I was like, shit, I wish I could just wear this bodysuit with my uniform and I could just throw it on. It was the right cut and everything. And I could just throw my pants on, throw my top on and run out the door. And I was like, dang, they should have one of these, but no one had the right color. Cause what color do you guys wear? So Navy wears black t-shirts, Air Force wears blue and then Army wears green. Nice. Okay. I would love to pick your brain on that because I really want to bring it to Canada. I think women up there would love it. And so Pretty much, I'm making a brand for military women. I want to do, be this all-encompassing thing of like, you know, women who are in the military, they're usually going to Nike or Under Armour or whatever to get their like uniform things, or maybe they're going on base to get their uniform stuff, but nothing is specific to women, like their socks, their underwear, their bras, like anything like that. And I really want to bring this brand that like encompasses, and I call them my women warriors. And it's like, this is for you. Like, this isn't going to Lululemon. This isn't going to these other brands that don't even know what it's like to be in the military. So it's all centered around empowerment and uplifting women, showing them to be fearless in situations. Like my first, my first collection is called the Fearless Collection. I'm embroidering each bodysuit, which you can wear in and out of uniform. So I have all the branches of the military um, here in the U.S. And then I, I actually got contacted by the Australian Navy, who wears gray underneath and that was pretty cool I was like oh crap like I put it out there on TikTok one day and I was like would anyone want to wear like a bodysuit like in their uniform I was like yeah and so I took Mm -hmm. pre-orders and so it was like all I got all the branches of the military colors and then I got the Australian Navy and then like law enforcement they were black and then like you know the white for under our our more dress uniforms and stuff like that so when that started going I just realized like what I was really trying to build here. And I wanted to start it off with just like 
showing women to be fearless. Like what we were talking about with being in these, these career fields and being in this world where you are sometimes in situations where you're just like, I need to like lessen myself a little bit sometimes. And like, but that's not what the, I don't think that's what the military needs. Like I genuinely think if we are able to be more fearless and confident in ourselves, they will get so much more out of us. Like, I feel like women try to dumb it down or not even dumb it down. They try to like, like me, right? Like I'm trying to make my femininity just like, I'm not trying to wear any makeup. I'm not trying to whatever, blah, blah, but that lessens who I am. And so then I can't produce the way that I should be producing where I look good and I feel good and all those types of things. And so that's what I'm trying to instill in the brand. And it's just been so exciting. I want to expand into everything a military woman would need. Eventually I want to get into making uniforms, boots, you know, pretty much being a, a manufacturer and, um, making it look good too, like sleek and modern and cool. Like, it's like, oh, you got torch on. Like, yeah, I got the torch on, you know, it's cool. <laughs> so in the U.S. military, do you guys have to buy your own t-shirts and things that you wear underneath? We do. Sometimes it's government issued. Like when you're an ROTC or whatever, they'll hand you like t-shirts or whatever, but where are they getting it from? You know, usually it's from these like one or two suppliers or whatever. Like there's not a lot of military manufacturers out there who are making the stuff that we need. And so I'm like, I can do this and I can have an aspect of it that's specifically for women. And it's just like a gold mine. So they issue us our t-shirts, but they're, like you said, they're men's t-shirts. And even if you get the small sizes, they're just like super boxy. And then when you try and tuck them in, especially in like a dress uniform or anything that's tight, then it's all bunched up. And it's funny because, you know, I'm sure like there'll probably be some men here listening to this who think like, oh, well, you know, it's the military. Why do girls need to look good? But then at the same time, there's guys out there who are gelling their hair and wearing skin tight shirts. And, you know, a lot of men look really good in uniforms because they fit them well. Yes. Um, but then when you go to get a woman's uniform, it's like, oh, this does not fit at all. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it, I mean, just having that idea of like, everything is nice and sleek. It's not about being sexy. It's about feeling and looking good and professional and clean and like sharp. It's like, you want to feel that way. And then just to have that little like reminder of like, be fearless. Like, what if you felt that like, you're about to go into a briefing with like a general, you're going to, you're about to go you have to go lead your troops through like a physical training thing or something like that. Like there's so many times when you just need a reminder as a woman to like be you, be fearless in who you are, like go after it. And you have people that understand and this brand understands what it's like to be isolated from your family. Sometimes this brand understands what it means to like, just like the hardships that come with being a female. That's really what I'm trying to project because it's like not all about the hard, hard tacticalness. Not about that because women can balance this beautiful balance of masculinity and femininity and just be so powerful if they can just sit in that and be able to serve in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I, that's and I mean the U.S. military especially is so much bigger too, but I can see for sure Canadian women jumping on board that definitely. Heck yeah. Just send me the colors. We'll get it up and going. My manufacturer is all in the, made in the U.S., which is like what really big and important for me too. And just like, it's all very possible, which I've been realizing with business is like anything people are asking me all these crazy things like, oh, can you do maternity ones? Can you do short bottoms? Can you do thong bottoms? Can you do thermal material? Can you do fire resistant? Like there's so many ways that women can like just I mean, we like to shop. We get to shop 80% of the time outside of our uniform. It's like, well, why can't, I mean, 20% outside of our uniform, why can't we enjoy the shopping experience for our uniforms that we wear every single day? 
every day. You walk into the BX, that's what we call them on base to get our uniform stuff. And it's just depressing. I'm like, God, no wonder no one wants to be in here. I'm like, we need to judge it up a little bit. This is 2022, you know, this is got to make it fun. Yeah. And so when you're going through that process of transitioning out of the military, do they have programs, you know, any sort of educational programs or programs to help you along the way? Because I know in Canada, they have a specific one set up just for entrepreneurs, for veterans that want to start their own businesses. What is yours called? Uh, It's called, it was actually started by Prince Harry. I think it's called the, I don't want to mess it up, but I think it's called the Prince's (laughs) Trust Entrepreneur Program. Oh, that's so cool. You love Prince Harry. Or it might have been Prince Charles, but but yeah, it is. They do have uh, programs for transitioning members. Yeah. Well, we do. We do, too. We have have a specific one called Boots to Business, and it's pretty cool. And they they try to teach you how to start and, like, all these things. And I went through the program a little bit into when I started my business um, because I started my business in like June last year. And I just started transitioning in like de- in December timeframe. So I had kind of been, I did my LLC. I had, you know, found a manufacturer. I, I was like applying to grants. I was, you know, trying to get this whole thing rock and rolling. And thankfully my grandmother, she helped me fund a lot of the first like inventory things and stuff like that, because she believed in it. She understood like her being a military woman. She's like, do you know how many times I wore like cute underwear to feel good in my uniform, you know, stuff like that. I'm like, exactly. Like that's the stuff that we need. So it's cool to be able to produce this. And she's like, I wish I had this when I was in, you know, I'm like, that's how you know, it's real. And so what about your other business? So my other business is a women's retreat business. It's called Segan Set Free. And I'm, I'm partnering with it with my best friend from college who I cheered with. Her name's Alexa. And we basically put on these very meaningful wellness retreats for women. Um, We've done four so far, four. And they've been in these really cool and exotic places like Napa Valley on the beach. We've done it down in Joshua Tree, California, which is like a big, um, you know, national park area. And we've done them in the Pocono. We did one in the Poconos as well. We're about to do two more in Charleston, South Carolina. And we're really trying to bring meaningful experiences and unforgettable, unforgettable experiences where people, women can come together to bond and be very honest and have these very real conversations, but also have fun. Like we go and we do kayak and we do hiking, we do rappelling off of rocks. We do, you know, sound baths, stargazing, you know, beach yoga, like little scavenger hunts and stuff like that. Instead of like just getting together and getting drunk, like I feel like that's been such a narrative. Like, you know, we're gonna girls get together for a bachelorette party. We're just gonna get trash. And it's just like I'm I'm 27 now. I'm just like I just don't have time for that anymore. And I don't feel like I'm getting any meaningful experiences out of this. Like I'd rather go and travel to Hawaii with my friends and we get to go horseback riding on the beach or we get to like do a private chef class and just like adding value and creating experiences that you actually are going to remember and you're like that was fun instead of us just wasting our time so it's been really cool it's been evolving it is interesting to juggle both of those businesses they're very different but the retreats kind of bring this like light 
airy aspect to my life where it's just so genuine and so fun and seeing people just have a great time and know that you created that that space it's really really close to my heart and then torch is like my tangible like I'm really putting my mark out there on the world like even the embroidery is my handwriting so like when it says fearless on your butt it's my handwriting and it's just like I want women to know and what I've realized I've been reading books, like I said, you know, going to therapy, stuff like that. What I realized that with my businesses, I try to create a family dynamic. Like you're a part of my family now, like with the retreats, like if we go on a retreat together and we have three days and two nights together where we're doing some really cool stuff and meditating and getting rid of our limiting beliefs. Sometimes we're crying. Sometimes we're laughing. That's a shared experience. You're like family now. And same thing with the clothing brand. It's like these people who are buying into my brand, they're buying into this aspect of like, we are a family, no matter where we are in the world. It's tough sometimes to be lonely, but you have someone who understands you. Yeah. And I'm sure doing retreats like that, that you, people probably meet lasting friends at those. Yes. Yes. It's really cool. It's a really cool experience. I had one girl reach out to me. She actually was looking to join the air force and she just, she saw me on one of the military podcasts and she was like, Hey, what's, I, w- I want to join the air force. I don't really know anybody. And I was like, Hey, I'm about to have this retreat, like in Napa Valley. Why don't you come up and we'll talk air force and we'll talk all the things that you need. And she came and we are friends now forever. We met online. So it's, it's really cool. That's awesome. The internet is, you know, as much as people hate it in some ways, or it can bring negativity. There are so many positive aspects, like meeting people that you never would have met before. Yes. It's a tool, just like anything, like you can use it for good or evil and you just have to look at it for what it is and understand that your brain, sometimes you have to have self-control and discipline and just like taking the emotional side of things away and just see it for what it is. It's, it's great. And so how many women come to these retreats? So our biggest one was, I did one for my team, for my NFL training team. And that was about 25 girls. And then the last one we just had, there were 12 of us in Joshua Tree. Then we had a small, then we've had smaller ones, like groups of eight and five, but usually the, the next two that we're about to do are, it's like a 15, 15 group of girls. Yeah. I realized that too on vacations. It's like, I don't really want to go anywhere and just sit by the pool and do nothing anymore. I could do that for about a day and yes. then I'm like, okay, I need to go do something. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm like, these times when we like try to make, and that's the other thing we're trying to get into, right? Like planning like more meaningful birthday parties and stuff like that where it's like hey look what you have a group of your friends like it's, it's so hard to get your group of friends together now when you're in your like late 20s getting into your 30s and stuff like that like let's plan a time where we can actually come instead of just sit around at a couch and be like so like how's life it's like no we have guest speakers coming in and we're talking about goal setting or like working on our confidence or making money like just stuff like that it's like oh wow like we're learning something we're having fun like it's productive with our time Yeah, it's good. I've seen this big push lately, which is awesome, where people are getting more into wanting to learn and wanting to work on self-improvement and self-care and all of those things. And I think it's really awesome. It really is. I don't know if it's just because like our generation is getting older where we're realizing we're like, and we kind of like took, we were the first to like get into social media and stuff like that. So now all my feed is like, you know, oh, meaningful quotes and like stuff like that we're like okay there's more to life there's more to life (laughs) yeah more to life that you can do and me I really value travel learning and experiences that's like my currency like if somebody when people to networking is so important to me like anybody that's why I reached out to you I was like I just want to meet people all around the world and I think the military makes me do that too right because 
now I'm like, I have a friend in Canada. I have a friend in China. I have a friend in Australia. It's just like, it's the best. You've got to know people and put yourself out there and be a good time. Like you have to be a value to people too. Yeah. That was such a great thing when I got your message, because I've been trying to get more international women on, obviously my network is mostly Canadian. So I've got lots of Canadians who are like, I know someone who would be really good for your podcast. And I've had awesome Canadian guests, but I've been trying to get more international because I don't want it to be just a Canadian podcast. I feel that. And that's amazing. And I think what you're doing is incredible. Like that's what it should be in the military. We're all around the world. And that's why people ask me sometimes too. Like, they're like, are you just going to sell to like the U S it's like, no, there's military women all around the world. Like the fact that I got contacted by a girl from the Australian Navy, I'm like, why didn't I think of this before? Like, even like this one girl in the French army, like I might be going out there and I'm like, let's meet up and like get to know each other's stories. Cause I don't think we're that different. I really don't. I don't think we are. Yeah, that is the cool thing about being in the military is that, you know, you can meet someone that you've never met before, but if you're both in the military, then you automatically sort of have that that common ground and instant connection. Yeah, I even think it's important to one day, and hopefully I think COVID's kind of going away, but like these in per- like international in-person events, like military women coming from all over the world and like getting to, you know, getting to know each other and stuff like that, like I really think we're like the backbone of the military and the, we're growing, we're growing and we're like eager and we're, we're craving that community. And I think men already kind of have that. I think men need retreats and all those types of things in community as well. I think they definitely do, but I think really just like creating those safe spaces, like that's kind of like my big thinking type thing. I'd love to have a huge conference and like, you know, have torch sponsor. And it's just like, we're talking, we're having open conversations, we're getting to know each other. I just think it's, it's so important. It's so important. I'll go there with my podcast equipment and interview everyone. (laughs) That'd be so fun. We'll talk about it after. We'll take the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, because I I do see, well, you know, the big conferences and stuff, but it's all like these very high ranking women that have been in forever. And there's not as much for sort of like the newer generation that's sort of up and coming or the younger generation. No. And you think about these cadets too, like in the ROTC or in the academies and stuff like that. It's like, I just went to the Air Force Academy in Colorado. And these kids are so isolated from what it's actually like to be in active duty or to be in the real world. Like they saw me, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm a human. And I'm like, yes, hello. There's like, there's like civilization out here and we are here to support you too. Like, I think that phase of my life, I wish I had more women reaching back down to me at that point to like really give back. Like, cause that's the time you need it. Like the mentorship to, I wish someone told me to stay away from the boys and like focus on trying to travel the world. Like we're start a business. Like I wish that was happening back in college, but that's what I'm trying to change now. I'm like, I'm reaching out to those cadets and telling them like, we're here, we're here. And we are here to tell you the truth and we're here to help you. So apart from that, going back and wishing that you had a mentor or someone to do that, is there anything about your military career that you would change? No, nothing. No, no. It allowed me to live the life that I wanted to live. I got to cheer. I got to live in beautiful places. I got to meet incredible people. And it toughened me up sometimes. And it also was such a beautiful, safe place sometimes as well. So I'm very thankful. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so nice to hear that, right? That it's so positive and that you don't have, you know, oh, well, I wish I would have done this or that. Nope, not at all. The question that I always ask all my guests is what advice would you give to women thinking about joining the military? I would say if they're thinking about joining the military, they need to really 
I would say get to know like yourself and it's such a in such a deeper level where you don't become like the the uniform doesn't make you you make the uniform if that kind of makes sense um there's so many people i've learned this in cheerleading i've learned this in my entire life when you go into an organization that's massive like the military so many people get gobbled up and they just make that become their whole identity and it's like don't search for that to give you purpose don't search for the military to give you happiness don't same for anything but it's like don't look for that to like save you you should bring so much value to the organization that you are adding more value to it and not taking and taking and taking like I think that's the best advice I can give honestly I mean yeah be be more than the uniform be more and then so if you were to look down the road 10 years from now where do you see yourself I'm a billionaire running a seat, running my billion dollar company, <laughs> hopefully with a family and um, having a couple houses in California, maybe in Hawaii, traveling around the world. I'm going to be like 37. Yeah, I think like that's that's about it. Yeah. Other than expanding the different aspects of Torch, like you said, do you see any other companies or businesses that you want to start? I think maybe like this is, this is really, I just am thinking of this now, but like in the kind of venture capitalist area, like reinvesting my own money into women, female entrepreneurs and like veteran entrepreneurs and stuff like that. I think being another resource, there's not enough. There's some out there, but like, there's not enough people. And I think I have a big enough heart and I have a, a good head to know, like, and to feel people who are ready to put the time, energy and love that they need to build something. I think it'd be super cool to be able to run some type of venture capitalist firm and like I'm just like investing in women who want to start businesses. I think it'd be super cool. Amazing. That's really neat to see the people now that have had successful businesses that are veterans and then just starting sort of these opportunities to give back and to help out veterans or the veteran community in that sense. Yeah. Yes. I'm I'm reading this book right now. It's called You're a Badass at Making Money. <laughs> And it's talk, it talks to you about, and, and women, I think, have this complex with, with money, and I think we're growing and we're learning more about it. But for me personally, you know, sometimes there's a little shame to that. Like, oh, like I'm making, it's weird to say that I want to be a billionaire. Like that might be like kind of offensive or it might sound egotistical or whatever, but it's like, no, because what I've learned and my dad told me this before, he's like, money doesn't change you, it enhances who you are. And I know I have a good heart and I know if I have the opportunity to make that amount of money, I'm going to give back. And I know that, you know, it's, you have to make money in this world and you need money to be successful in this world and to be, you know, to do the things that you want to do that will make you happy. It's very true. So I think that having that goal and then to know that I want to get there because I want to give back, it's just like, it's a great feeling. I'm excited for that. Yeah. I'm excited for you. Cause I feel like you're going to do big things for sure. Thank you, Kate. I really appreciate it. And then, so where can people find you on social media and on the internet? Yeah. So my personal Instagram is probably the best. Um, I am underscore Haley Marie, um, H-A-L-E-Y-M-A-R-I-E. And then all my brands are tagged pretty much in my personal. So, and then torch online is, you know, torchwarriorwear.com and you guys can just go for it. Awesome. Thank you so much for the interview. And I hope that I'll be watching the Dallas Cowboys and seeing you cheer next year. 
Yes. No, thank you, Kate, for having me. This has been really amazing. I'm so excited to make this connection. Like, so cool to meet you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to help support this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review on your Apple podcast app. 